Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Farm. Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, as we've said before and as Ammo was saying off air there, when it comes to the episode after we've had a big guest on, it's always a little bit different coming back to just me and Ammo chatting about football. But we've picked a good week to do it because there's plenty of football going on. We're going to be analysing in the first part of the pod, we're going to be analysing all about the Wolves game uh, that was a few weeks ago. And then we're going to be discussing Arsenal and we're going to be discussing Real Madrid as well. So it's a big week coming straight out from the international break. Now, firstly, Ammo, how are you getting on? What's your week's been like? Also, did you get to watch any of the international football? <laughs> did I get to watch it? Do I even want to watch it? That's, that's the question. <laughs> Um, no, nah, not too bad. Um, I'm dosed. I've got a head cold, but I mean, when you've got a head cold these days, you, you feel like you can't even go on your front doorstep and, and say hello to someone. So, yeah. um, excuse me for my voice, but um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I've seen a little bit. I've seen a bit of England. Um, who did they play? Um, I can't even remember. That's how much I hit. I don't really care. They won 2 0 anyway. Um, I've seen that, a bit of that. And I've seen them play the game for that. I think San Marino, which is. It, you know, everyone talks about international football, but they're playing like, you know, painters and decorators and, and butchers. <laughs> like, how was that international football? Like, yeah. No, the greatest respect. Like, you know, he played like a second string team as well. You know what I mean? So, I, well, I just don't have that love for international football and bring on the, you know, bring on the Premier League and the club football being back. Um, yeah, so I watched watch bits and stuff. Um, you know, you always think to yourself, like, well, I'm a better man. I know some people listen might not, but I'm a better man. So I, I put a few bets on the on the international teams and like you you know, you're betting on teams like Germany and Spain at like, you know, one to fifty. And like the scraping two one wins against like people you've never heard of. Yeah. So you're like, you know what? What's the point? What's the point in betting? Because there's just no fun in it, because like, you know, the odds are so awful. Um but yeah, I mean, I've watched a little bit because like what else are you gonna do? But like I'm not really bothered about it. Um, but I'm grand, yeah, but never dose. But what about you, Danny? How are you? 
Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We're seeing the uh, the weather changing now, and things are starting to get a little bit warmer and stuff. So it's nice to start getting out and about a bit more. Been sort of spending the last two weeks just sort of trying to get out to the parks and do stuff with the kids. So I haven't really been up much. I think it's always hard, isn't it? I think when we started this podcast, we always said we'd start off by talking about how our weeks are going, not knowing that we were going to hit a global pandemic and never leave our house <laughs> for a year. So we feel like this section is always the trying to think of something exciting that we've done in our lives when actually we've just sat in the house for a week. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I didn't, do you know what? I didn't watch any of the international football at all. I haven't watched none of it. And, and I suppose for the same reasons what you said, a lot of it is just boring. It's just boring football and the big teams are changing up and they're at the stage now where they've maybe already gone through the qualifiers and they're starting to play their second string international team. And the playing teams, San Marino, San Marino, I've got a dedicated Wikipedia page showing the games that they haven't lost. Like the fact that they're able to fit that on a Wikipedia page proves the standard and level that San Marino are at. So what's the point in watching a game like that? I might as well go down the park, watch a lot of the kids play. Yeah. I mean. Well, what, what I did see is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo storm off the pitch for Portugal. Because okay. he had a goal. I mean, it was a goal. Did, did you see the goal that the, the ball over the line? Nope. Literally seen nothing. <laughs> no, well, Portugal played. I can't think who they played in the week before. Um, it was 2 2. Cristiano Ronaldo got the ball in like the 95th minute and he rounded the keeper and slotted it and it went in. But, and it was in by about probably two or three inches. And uh, <laughs> it got disallowed that it wasn't over the line. <laughs> and he stormed off the pitch and threw his armband, threw his armband off and all. <laughs> You'll have to watch it. And, and, and anyone. Anyone there listening hasn't seen it, honestly, it, it's, it's, it's hilarious. He rounds the keeper, puts the ball in the empty net. Um, this is like the 93rd minute, right? I, I think Portugal played a nobody team as well. And uh, it gets disallowed. He's, you know, he's off celebrating, he goes mad, throws his armband on the floor and storms off. So that was quite funny to watch because, you know, I'm a big fan of Ronaldo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, but that's the thing, isn't it? Even when it comes to international football, and obviously we talk about it in the Premier League and it's probably going to get mentioned here, but like the biggest talking point of football nowadays, and this is what's ruining it for me, is that every time we talk about football, all we talk about is VAR decisions and referees' decisions and stuff that is has gone wrong in the game but hasn't been rectified. Like the whole point of VAR coming in, all the rest of them, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole and talk about VAR. But the whole point of VAR coming in was so that these discussions wouldn't need to happen. Is like, oh, there's too many controversial incidents in football, so we're going to bring in VAR to be able to clear that up. And I have never spoke more about referees' decisions than what we have since VAR came well, in. This is the thing. I don't think VAR is, like, VAR is at some of these international games because, I mean, mm. I don't know Portugal playing, but they're probably playing a team that doesn't have to, they can't afford cameras. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but um, that's just me being a bit like probably... Bit, bit of a bigot there, probably shouldn't have said that, but you, you get what I'm saying. Not like it's not all all round, and like you know, if you're gonna have it in the Premier League, why shouldn't you have it in the National League, Conference North? That's the way I look at it, and it all boils down to money, which is why last season the Premier League still went ahead, and we're happy because we've become champions. But like the Scottish League got voided, mm. you know, so it all comes down to money, and that's just the, the, the sick, the sad thing about it. Um, but what I will say is, when it comes to international football, it just doesn't really, it, you know, see if England in the tournament. If they get to like the semis, you kinda you know, you kinda want them to do all right. That's the truth, I'm not gonna lie. But after that, I'm just thinking, oh no, please, like none of that. I was buzzing at Arnold, never got picked for the 
England team. I was buzzing. Yeah. And I, I, equally, I'm angry that you know, Salah's playing God knows where for Egypt. We got a couple of goals there. Um, Mane's playing God knows where for Senegal. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's what it is, isn't it? There's no point. We, we've discussed it before. We'll discuss it again. But coming back to your ball points before we discuss the um, Wolves game, I think this season's been a bit of a blessing in the skies for VAR because they haven't got the fans there in people's backs. Could you imagine the season with the controversy with VAR um, and fans in the stadiums? Could you, you know, they've had a season there with no fans in the stadiums to get it right. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was an incident a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he, where Salah was it against, I um, can't remember who against now, but Salah, like, there was a handball and didn't get given. But at the beginning of the season, it would have. And yeah, anyway, I don't know. But um, let's talk about Wolves, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because that's what we're going to lead on to here. Now, obviously, a few weeks ago now, Liverpool played Wolves, managed to bring it out 1-0, um, give us a little bit of a fighting chance of staying in these European places. What did you make of the game? I mean, it was a tight enough game, but what did, what did you think of Liverpool's performance in that one? I was very kind of nervous. You know, Wolves are that type of team. They haven't had a great season, we know this, but... You certainly wouldn't have been bitter. It wouldn't have been um, shocked if they beat us. Mm. Um, and they've got a lot more qualities than some of the teams that have beat us. But maybe that played to our advantage a little bit that they, you know, they kind of, they've got footballers that's not all about getting behind the ball. And they were happy enough to go toe to toe with the I think our quality just showed in the, in the end. Um, but it, it wasn't a memorable game, but it was a vital game. And uh, as I say, a clean sheet and a victory is something that we have found hard to come up by. So, that's two wins in a row now, so we're doing all right. Um, and yeah, bring, bring an Arsenal to the weekend, I suppose, and Real Madrid during the week. I mean, when it comes to games like Wolves, it's kind of like you know, you wouldn't have been that disappointed with a draw, but how bad it's been recently. We needed that win, yeah. And uh, I think we all knew before the game it wasn't about the performance, it wasn't about who scored, blah blah blah. It was just about getting the victory, and we did. And Wolves had a few, a few chances at the end and stuff, but. I mean, Adrian made a couple of important. It's not Adrian. Um, Allison made a couple of important saves during the game, and um, yeah, it was kind of one of them where we, you know, the, the, we played all right, and the big players tend to step up, and and, and I'm just happy that we we won. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, do you know what? I agree with you because when you look at the stats, it was actually a tight game. Wolves had more possession than us. They had uh, more shots on target than us. Uh, they have more passes than us, more passing accuracy, all the rest of it. But as you said, sometimes it's not about the stats. And the way Liverpool have been playing over the last number of months, it was all about the result. And I think we always talk about that. You look back at those big games. I don't know if you remember the Celtic-Barcelona game from years ago, where Barcelona had like 95% possession, tons of shots, but Celtic beat them 1-0. And sometimes the only thing that yeah. matters is the result. And to get the 1-0... Uh, Jota to score as well, um, sort of solidifying. I think he is going to come in, and I think he, it showed in that game. There's a few things for me that clicked. I think Joe Jota coming in, playing that game, getting the goal, I think that's going to give him a boost. It's going to also give the other strikers a boost as well to think, right, he's stepping up, he's trying to perform. And I felt for a good part of it, Jota really ran his legs off in that game to try and sort of motivate the rest of the team. So I was glad he got the goal. It'll motivate the team. And also Fabino coming back into midfield again um, with yeah, Wijnaldum yeah, yeah. and Thiago. And I felt that that worked a lot better. Thiago, for me, looked a lot more free. And I know I've said that for a number of weeks, that once he was more in that attacking role, not having to worry about defending, he would look a lot more free to be able to play. Um, 
and that's what he looked. He played some great passes, some great through balls, um, and I think the team just looked that little bit more solid, which which was good, and that's what we wanted to see. Well, another big talking point to say is probably the Fabinho midfield. Um, and yeah, I mean, buzzing for Jota, he's been on fire for Portugal during the week there as well. Mm. Um, Ronaldo's probably jealous of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Fabinho is, as I say, he's, you know, I think, we, we, you know, for, football people and us footballers, we have short memories. And uh, we're not Liverpool fans when it comes to Fabinho. We knew how class he was, you know. He, he, he come into Liverpool, he was benched. And everyone was like, oh, what's what? Well, why have we spent this big money for Fabinho? He come in, I think, in the first couple of games to give a few silly fouls away, a few yellow cards. And it's like, oh, no. But then something happened. It's kind of a bit like maybe the, the situation with Davis coming in. Um, the very beginning with Robinson. Um, Robinson, sorry. Um, Klopp's kind of flooded him in. And Fabinho come in, and he just become kind of... I don't know how quick or how soon, how quick or how long it took, but before you knew it, Fabinho was like, probably one of the best players in our team mm. and we were winning everything so he's one of the best players covered as one of the best players in the world in that position and he's dynamic he gets a foot in he gets so many blocks he can thread a pass he, he's, uh, he doesn't get bullied he bullies other people um, and it just comes so effortless effortless and natural, natural to him and seeing him back in midfield again and another we um, mentioned for Phillips and Cabeza the best as well um, I think that dynamic and that um, structure and how we played was just so much more Steady and you know at the highest level, I think you need a little bit of steadiness as such. So yeah. having Fabinho protecting the back four, it was great. And yeah, buzzing for Joss obviously, but I think the biggest if we're going to into tactics, I think the biggest thing was Fabinho being back in midfield. And uh, I think he's got that little bit of quality that maybe the likes of Henderson um, and Man Alden don't have. And that's no disrespect to them; both great players, but. I think Fabinho just has that little bit of a no. He can thread a pass that maybe them, them boys wouldn't. Yeah, and uh, he gets back a little bit quicker. And those long legs—they just seem to. If you, how many times you see Fabinho poke the ball away with his toe? Like how you see that every you know, in that position, he does it three or four times a game. Yeah, and like where he swip, but you know without that, you know you don't see Genie or Hendo or Milner poking the ball with the long legs away and saving you know saving us really. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was great to see. Yeah, great to see. No, I agree with you. And the, I've I've always said I like I love Fabinho in that position as someone that plays a more defensive role. I, I love watching him play. He, he just reminds me of sort of Patrick Vieira of old, Jordan the early two thousands, yeah. and that's the type of player. He's he's not bullied. You just know that he's always going to hold his own in that midfield. And and as you said, one of the great things about him in comparison, Hendo, like I love Hendo and Genie. They're both great players. Uh, both absolute workhorses, but one of the things that Fabino's got that they haven't is that quickness, sort of being on his toes, uh, that that he can force the attacking midfielder or the striker if he's far enough back to make a move, and that's what you don't get with Hendo and Genie is that they will generally block the player off where he stands and make him pass out sideways, and that's what you'll see. Fabino makes them make a move. So they think they're open. You, you see the wingers. And if you watch the game, you see the whole thing expanding on the picture. You've got their wingers think, right, I've got a chance here. Our, our attacking midfielders are going to run at them. I'm going to start running here. So they start bombing pass going towards the fullbacks. He waits for them to make a move. And then suddenly these long legs come out of nowhere and manage to get the ball. 
So he lets them start the attack, takes the ball off them, and straight away it opens us up for a counter-attack, which is something <laughs> that you're not going to get with the other players. So I, I love Fabinho for that. You know, it's so funny is I'm sitting there, and uh, I'd say I've listened to this, all like the defensive man, the players are going, yes, Danny, yeah, yeah, you're spot on, blah, blah, blah. Like, brilliant, brilliant, bro. I'm sitting there, an attacking man player going, well, I see what you're saying, but like, he's just got big feet. He just gets a big toe in everywhere. And like you just see him, like he just he's always got that face. Every time I've seen Fabinho play, he's always got that face where like I got this. No, I've got this. No, he, he always looks so calm, but on like he's like boiling over like madness. Yeah. And, you know, it's just something about him. He's always got that look and he you no, know, you see when he's looking at players, it's just a, it's an intense look. You know, you be in position. You know, it's <laughs> it's just great. And I think for me, like it, it, it was no one years and years ago, like our generation, it was almost a Makaleli role, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, Claude Makaleli of Real Madrid and Chelsea, and then other players have come in and you know it's been adapted. You know, Gerard kind of done that role towards the end of his career. Mm. Um, but for me, Fabinho's got to be in the top probably three to five players in that position in the world on, on his day. Um, and Liverpool need a, a miss them, especially with the games coming up as well. I mean, it, it's vital that, and it, it, it's kind of good because you know you, you let you, you put them in central defensive players that like uh, central defenders, and there's that little bit of awkwardness where maybe if you're Quebec or you're Phillips or you're Reese Williams and you're next to Fabinho, 26, 27, established international, won everything but Liverpool. You know, you're sitting there like, okay, I'm a defender, I should be a leader, but like you let Fabinho maybe take a role when he's kind of just doing a job. Mm. you know and you know when you take them into midfield we know about the strengths but what you also do is you let the defenders do what they're meant to do and they're not sitting there thinking oh am I going to disappoint for, for, for being here you know, should, I be ta- should I be taking his lead should I not you know, they're literally doing playing to instinct like okay the, these young defenders are young defenders I keep saying it but you're not a young defender you've been coming through in that position probably since you were like 11 or 12 yeah you know so let defenders do what defenders are meant to do. Um, and with Fabinho protecting them, he's probably better off protecting them in that position than alongside them doing the job. And everyone's kind of wondering who's in charge here. Uh, is, should, should Fabinho be holding the line? He's not used to holding the line. Should I be holding the line? But then again, I'm only 21. Why would I hold the line with Fabinho's 27? He's won everything. You know, it's a whole... The dynamic of not having Van Dijk there, I think just let defenders defend. Let Fabinho be in midfield. And you're not missing that in midfield. But mm. we were missing all those games. And I think, I don't want to criticise Jürgen Klopp, but I think a lot of fans call for this. But Fabinho was playing that well in central defence that um, it kind of overshadowed the problem we had in midfield. So I think now Klopp's realising something had to give. And, you know, we, you know, we're all football fans, we could all see it. Um, and I think now, going forward, play defenders in defence and play Fabinho in his position that he's world-class at. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is that I think the style of play always had a little bit of a a factor in it as well. Is that Fabinho, as I said, is that type of player that he lets the attacking player make the move first, and then he drops on him, and that's fine in central midfield. You see it in central midfield, and you think that's great. Like he's doing that, and it causes the counter attack, and it's grand. But when you drop him into centre defence, and he's doing that, I know as somebody that plays centre back. Fabinho might be a great character, but you're thinking to yourself, this isn't your position, mate. And you could always see that a central defensive partner was always that little bit dubious and, and would always drop further back because they think, oh, what if he makes a mistake? He's not a defender. 
Van Dijk does the exact same thing. He waits for the player to make an attack first. But Van Dijk has got an absolute calibre behind him that he can say, look at my last 200 games and look at how well I do in this position. And people go, okay, and you trust Van Dijk because you know how good he is in that position. Fabinho does the same thing and you go, oh, wait there a minute, you're a midfielder. And I think there was always that worry with his partner that they were going, what if he makes a mistake? What if he makes a mistake doing this style of play? Um, and I think it always caused that little bit of bother where now you've got uh, Kabak and Phillips at the back and the two of them are just go through a player hard as nails type, win everything in the air and just be, play the same type of play. So for me, they're, they're far more suited playing together. So funny, you give me a wee flashback there. Um, for people that don't know, listen to this um, and hello to our listeners on Subban Radio Online um, on the sports social network and of course sport and radium radio as well hello to all them but people that don't know uh, me and Danny used to be teammates at, a, at, a, at an old um, team in Liverpool called Frontline um, and it brought me back to a memory did you ever play with me whenever um, Ben Holcombe um, a shout out to Ben Holcombe our old manager there he played me at centre back was you ever there when he, when he did that and I can't imagine I was actually. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine you playing centre back. So <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I remember just saying to him, "Oh Ben, you know, it's not my position, mate. It's not my position." But I, I'm a, obviously everyone knows, and I think this one of the dynamics that we never thought before we started this podcast was how well it was going to work from a, a striker's point of view. You know, and, and I agreed yourself with striker's point of view. Let, uh, that, let's be honest, and a real, real, you know, narrow-minded. Defenders' point of view, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, and I think it works well. But now I got play, I um, played front line, and my manager played me centre back. I think it was a case of, oh, I'm on your tall, uh, you, you know, you, you always turn up, you know, I'm going to play at centre back. And I hadn't scored about five, six games up front. And they played me centre back in the first half, and we, uh, we were getting beat 1 0. I was just saying the whole game, like, this is not my position, just get me out of this position. But I've done all right. Anyway, Played me up front of the score after about 20 seconds. But um, it was funny because like, it, it was only from a corner and I would have been up to the corner anyway. So it was one of them where like, it would have made no difference. But it was, it was just funny. But relating to the reason I'm saying this is instead of being nothing, when you're playing out of position, you know, Milner makes it look easy and, and mm. a few other players make it look easy. I look at Gerard maybe playing right back in the past. And there's a few other players, but I think. Those players are rare. You know, you look at Phil Neville, like he's gets so much stick, but he can play in so many positions. Yeah. You know, but I think for being out, he just had a real good couple of games at centre back that people were like, you know what, wow. And we were doing all right in those games. I think we were shadowing over a few cracks in midfield. But then as soon as we started losing Henderson and um Milner and stuff like that, you, you were thinking, nah, we need Fabino back in midfield. So my point is is that what he does, even off the ball. I mean, for me, I, I describe it as big toes getting in. And that's a difference. If I was a coach at Liverpool, I'd be like, Fabinho, man, do your thing. Get those big toes in. So yeah. Danny would be like, I press the man, make sure he does this there, make sure he does that. And it's a different, different dynamic how we both think, Danny. But um, we both know, because we're both football and minds, so that like, he needs to be in that position. And that's yeah. just, from now on, you know, even if you have to play Reese Williams and Phillips or whoever at the back, keep Fabinho midfield. Please, Jürgen, keep him midfield. <laughs> and I think I, I, do you know what I totally understand why Klopp done it I understand why he put him at centre-back and he played well there for me I thought he was quality watching him um, but I think he just offers you so much more and actually defensively we're probably far more solid with Fabinho further forward yes so, yes. so hopefully that's the way it stays and to be fair Kabak and Phillips are doing a really good job there at the back at the minute um, as I said 
Wolves had more possession, they had more shots, they had more shots on target, all of these different things, and yet we had a clean sheet. So that just proves to me what Kabak and Phillips are doing back there. Uh, so hopefully it sticks around because this Saturday we are playing Arsenal. Um, as we said, at the minute, Liverpool are currently sitting in seventh. Arsenal are sitting in ninth. They're four points behind us, so they can't necessarily leapfrog us if they, if they win this game. But it makes it a lot more tight. Everton are one behind us. They're a game in hand as well. So it's a game, really, that we if we want European spot this season, we need to be winning this game. Arsenal generally haven't been great this season. I think they, they haven't won too many. They're not doing too good. But they're starting to grind out results. They beat Spurs there a couple of weeks ago. They drew against West Ham. They beat Olympianarcos and all these different things. Um, what, do, what do you make of this game, Amo? It's going to be away. It's at Arsenal's ground. First one back after the international break. How, do you, how can you see this game going? As I say, you just mentioned their first one back after the international break. They're always open games, aren't they? You just know, you know, who's going to come back fit. Um, our boys going to be getting back at like Thursday, Friday night, you know, that type of stuff. I think you've just got to hope and pray for a good result. I don't want to get too deep into like analysis and tactics because at the end of the day, we know what Arsenal qualities are. You know, to keep the ball well, we've got a couple of dangerous players that can hear you. Um, don't know if Aubameyang's made up with the with the manager yet, so we've been playing, but like when he's, you know, he's always dangerous. They've got a, a couple of other boys, I think. Um, uh, um, Lacazette yeah Lacazette is a, mm. a good player and he's that young boy in midfield I forget his name is like Smith Rowe or something like that he's been playing great this season and uh, they've got dangerous players and like uh, any Arsenal team even an Arsenal team that's shocking at the moment they've always got quality And uh, but I think like Wolves it might suit us a little bit because we're not going to be you know just you know playing against 11 men behind the ball they're going to try and play um, similar league, but do you know what, Danny? Like every game in the league, now it's a must win. There's none of this. Oh well, a point to be good at Arsenal. Nah, it's a must win, and it's just let's see what happens at the end of the season. You know, the fact that we're even talking about Everton league progress, like what the, like what, what, what? That's, yeah. what? That's just. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, as as good as Everton have been this season, like we've had to have had like the worst. I think it literally is the worst spell in like fifty years or something for Everton to even be in that position. Do you know what I mean? So um, let's hope we're through it now. Um, and yet, I'm sure there'll be a couple of eyes on Real Madrid during the week, but um, that's only natural. Um, but yeah, I think this game's going to be important for you, like Simil, that's had a break. Um, maybe well, the likes of Phillips uh, will, will, will be fighting fit, um, and a few other boys you who know, don't play during the international break. Um, I think Firmino was injured there before the international break, so maybe he's got back to fitness. Um, it's a Saturday night game, am I right? It's 8, eight o'clock on Saturday night, isn't it? 8 o'clock, yeah, it's a late game. Yeah, so I mean, that gives, uh, those few hours probably make a little bit of a difference. You know, you're not playing Friday night or Saturday morning. So let's hope, let's hope that we get a positive result. Um, but in the context of positive results and what I'm saying there, it's a win. And it's not about the performance. It's not about not getting beat. Um, I'd hope, again, we can't get beat. Um, you got to win just so, yeah. For me, I'm going to go for probably, let's say, 2-1 two, two Liverpool. Um but it'd be nice to keep a clean sheet, but I don't see it happen. Um, but yeah, Let, let's go two on Liverpool. Let's be possible. Let's hope that we we play the, the football that we know we're capable of and um, get no injuries for midweek. Mm. Yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be an interesting one because the whole season has been interesting so far. 
the fact that we could potentially, at the minute, the way it stands, be finishing the league with the Champions League spots being given to Man City, which we'd have all have expected over the last three or four years, but the other three teams being Man United, Leicester City and West Ham, you're sitting there going, what type of mental season are we <laughs> playing here? And and as you said, I think we're at the, the business end of the season now. We're at the part of the season where, as I said, we, we looked before the international break and there was a lot of games where people were going, I can't lose as opposed to I need to win. And we were seeing a lot of draws and stuff where now we're at this business end of the season and you've got to be getting points because we've seen there was only... It's only four or five weeks ago that we were talking about Aston Villa sitting in the Champions League spots and how well they've played this season. They're currently sitting 10th. And it just shows how quickly things can change if you're not picking up points. So we need we need to beat Arsenal if we've got any chance of staying in these European spots, in the Europa League spots, and we've got any chance whatsoever of making that push to still get into the top four. Because we've got a few big games left during the season. Um, so we need to be really going for it. As you said, Arsenal have got some good squad players at the minute. Not even just, I think Arsenal were always similar to Liverpool. They were always a, an 11-man team. And then if they had to bring anyone off the bench, they were going to be garbage, really. But now West Arsenal, sorry, I've got some great players. As you said, they've got Aubameyang, they've got Lacazette, they've got Saka, they've got Odegaard that they brought in in January, who has oh, started yeah. performing yeah, yeah. as well. Um, even Jaffa's playing well and different things like that. David Luiz looks like he can kick a ball again after the start of the season. Um, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> he had a, a shocking start of the season, but he seems to be doing all right now. And I, I think it's going to be difficult, but I think it, looking at the Arsenal team, it's an attacking team. It plays into our hands because it's a team that we can counter-attack against. And it's a team that most importantly, as we've seen all season, has holes in the back line and I think we can expose that and I think we should be able to play against them I would I would I would be hoping after especially seeing the way some of the players are playing the international break I would be hoping that we would be looking to have maybe a two or three one in this game and I like I'd like to say that it's going to be three one Liverpool I'd like to be hopeful of that what do you think yeah well as I say I went for two one there but I mean it's you just don't fancy to keep a clean sheet. You don't fancy to be handy. Mm. Danny, see if we were having this conversation six months ago, we would have said 3 4 0 because oh, Arsenal yeah. are shocking, you know. But it's just we see, but we've, we've been around enough now to know it's not that easy. So let's just hope that we get a positive result um, leading into Real Madrid um, because it's just it, it, you'll get a beat against Arsenal. I think we said this against Everton. Um, if we get beat against Arsenal, I think a few results have gone our way since the defeat against Everton. Um, Chelsea got a few draws, West Ham got a few draws. I think West Ham was 3 up against Arsenal and they drew 3-3, I think it was. Yeah. So a couple of draws went our way. Um, the fact, by the way, if West Ham United finish in the Champions League spot, I'll shave my eyebrows off. How about that? <laughs> West Ham United aren't going to finish in the Champions League spot. No chance. Um, but yeah, but a few results have gone our way. So... Um, Let's just hope that this will go. Do you know what, Danny? It's just about hoping and praying now because it's just been that mad of a season. Um, I know that I've had a couple of weeks to reflect over the international break. See if Liverpool football club had fans in the stadium, we wouldn't be where we are because we've had some awful teams we've watched over the years. I've not even been in this position. So that says enough. That's, that says enough. We, 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 we're in a false position. It's because we haven't got our fans. We haven't got a 12th man. And um, yeah, but let's just, let's hope and pray that We've given our fans something, you know, given the team themselves have given the fans something to, you know, to 
brag about and boast about because you couldn't listen to him United man, could you? Finishing second and going on like the like the back again, seriously. <laughs> I know. I know. Picking it up in the middle of a, a ridiculous season and, and coming second, like there's nothing to be bragging about, but you know that United fans will. And yeah, as you said, we've seen some big wins against Arsenal. We've also seen some big losses against Arsenal in the past. Stupid Ars- Andre Arshavan. Um but we all, remember, we all remember those games. <laughs> and um, let's just hope that we're going to be at the right end because one of the things the Arsenal game does normally bring is goals, is a Liverpool-Arsenal game. So let's hope that we do see goals because I think we're all kind of craving that. And on a side note, before we go to the break, um, we've been looking over the last little while and some of you that are following our social media will have seen that we've um, started putting episodes onto YouTube as well. And... Knowing what Amo's just said about shaving his eyebrows off, probably without looking at the fixtures to know that West Ham's run to the end of the season includes playing Newcastle, Burnley, Brighton, Southampton and West Brom. There's a good chance that we may be putting up Amo shaving his eyebrows at the end of the season. So, if that's, <laughs> if that's West not Ham, reason... I'm not going to finish in top four, Danny. Right then, just before we go to the break, if West Ham do get in the top four, what are you going to do? Or do, you, do you, first of all, do you think they will? Because they won't. Do you know what? This season, I think absolutely anything can happen. Um, I think Chelsea Chelsea are playing well at the minute, but Chelsea have had a real sort of hit and miss season. So I think West Ham have got just as much of a chance as Chelsea of finishing in that top four. You've got to play them. <laughs> not for me, not so. for me. <laughs> no chance, no chance. Hey, listen, I'll be fine. It's all good. <laughs> I'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> we'll see. Well, if, if West Ham... Don't finish in the top four. You can pick four fifth for me to put onto our social media. Uh, or people can write in. <laughs> Amo wants to tell you about our email address for you to write in. And you can write in with a challenge if you want. <laughs> yes, guys. So, yeah, obviously, um, any feedback. Um, what we're going to do is part of the show in a couple of weeks. Sam's going to start doing shout-outs to people as well. So, uh, we know we've got listeners in America, in Australia, India, Chile, New Zealand. Hello to all listeners. But if you want to contact the show and you don't know us personally or have our social media... Um, you can contact us on ammo and Danny's feedback at gmail.com. Also, um, a lot of people have seen our bubble hats that have um, become quite a phenomenon. There's people been buying them everywhere. Um, and they're really good quality. And as I say, they all help to um, supply the expenses that you know, get us the big guests that we get. So, um, yeah, please, please throw us an email if you'd like one. Um, and, yeah, thank you to everyone that you know, bought the hats um, and the merchandise in the past. We've got a lot more coming up and a lot more around the corner. So um, watch this space. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much. As we, as Amo said, like the money that we get, it doesn't like pay us a wage or nothing like that. We love just doing this because we love talking about football and we love being able to hopefully entertain you during this lockdown. Um, and all the money goes towards getting guests and it's all getting put back in so that we can provide better content for you. So thank you so much for supporting us. Now we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back to be discussing the big game, Liverpool, Real Madrid, first leg. So thank you very much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. All right, folks, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, folks, um, as I say, we reviewed the games there and we spoke about Arsenal, but the big one is Real Madrid in the Champions League. Now, I'm saying this and, you know, um, me and Danny look at each other with smiles as I said that. 
um, because our season is still there's still something to fight for. And uh, as games go, you're talking about the probably two, if not the two most successful teams along with AC Milan in mm. this competition's history. So um, you know you, you don't need a script, you don't need to build it up. It's Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Like we won it in Madrid a few years ago. We lost it against Madrid a year before that. There's the whole Ramos and Salah thing. You know, there's, there's, we could go into a lot of detail about Liverpool Real Madrid, but we know when Liverpool play, play Real Madrid, there's going to be fireworks. And um, I would say if we get through that game, it's probably a game that, you know, could be season the final for us. Now, we know Real Madrid aren't what they used to be, Danny. Um, obviously. But it's still going to be a tough game, isn't it, mate? Playing Real Madrid is always going to be a hard game. They've got solid players in every position. They've got the money to be able to bring players in. And the thing is that, yeah, Real Madrid are not having the best season this season. But there's two, for me, there's two defining factors to this game. Is that one, Liverpool know that winning the Champions League is going to define this season as either being a complete flop or being a great season. And if we can finish it, Jürgen Klopp knows that if we can finish the league somewhere within the top seven and win the Champions League, everything that's happened this season, injuries, everything will be completely forgotten about. So the mixture of the fact that we need to win this game is is massive. So I think Jürgen Klopp will be going all out to try and get the win in the first leg to be able to take back to Anfield. Secondly, the other defining factor is that Real Madrid are currently sitting third in their league two points below Barcelona, who they play four days after we play them. So you think to yourself that Zidane has got a big conundrum there. What does he do? Does he push to try and win the league? Or does he push to try and win this game? Because he can't play his best team in both matches because he knows how big they both are. So will he rest players against Liverpool? Or will he choose to rest them against Barcelona? I honestly think that he is more likely to rest players in this first leg of the Champions League than what he is to rest them against Barca. Well, I mean, you, could only, you couldn't underestimate the put their own peril away. Um, mm. Obviously, Bale's left them and hasn't come in, which he hasn't really had hit the, no, hit the ground running really around with it, and he had a lot of injuries. Um, I don't know if he'll be fit, but we know Eden Hazard in his days as good as anyone. We know there's probably not a better goal scorer in Europe than Benzema. Mm. Um, apart from maybe Lewandowski, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, they've still got big threats. Um, and I think it's just one of these occasions that real fans, you just sitting there like, oh, what a shame. What an absolute shame having Liverpool versus Real Madrid and not having fans because it's, it's going to be some spectacle. And I think another thing to say, second leg at Anfield, we sit there and it gets mentioned, oh, second leg at Anfield. It makes no difference, really. Mm. It's It's, you know, it's one of them where, like, it's just a shame that you know you couldn't even have a handful of fans in because it would make something special. But as you say, Danny, you hit the nail on the head, mate. Um, it's one of them where if we win the Champions League, what happens in the league doesn't really matter. It's like whatever because we're back in the Champions League. Um, but if we don't, you know, because Real Madrid could knock us out, and I hope they don't. And you know, it'll be a really interesting watch because it is the season of fine. Um, but if we don't get through, like. What is the thing? You know, you you fighting to like? Do you would? Here's a question to you, Danny. Just say, say we did get knocked out against Real Madrid. Do you want to fight to Fenel for top four and then potentially finish fifth and be in the Europa League, or would you prefer to just kind of let this season fizzle out and play, you know, a regular front every game? 
<laughs> I don't think there's any situation in which I'd want to play a Regi in every game. Um, <laughs> I think Liverpool, we have to fight. Like I think we've had such a bad season, played with injuries, and then the whole mindset of not being able to play at Anfield at the minute without losing. I think we need to just push as hard as we can for everything. I like. I honestly think we can do Real Madrid. Real Madrid are going through a bit of an injury crisis at the minute. Uh, we say about Eden Hazard. Up to now, Eden Hazard has barely played this season. I can't see him being able to be fit for Tuesday. Um, and I think Real Madrid are beatable, as you said. And I'm so gutted that there isn't fans because I think any big European night, Liverpool fans are mental. And it's the best atmosphere in the world going to Anfield on a European night. But put us against Real Madrid with what happened in the Champions League final a few years back and the Sergio Ramos situation and all the rest of it. You can just... Come back. <laughs> just gives you an idea of what that game would be if the fans were there. That it would be amazing in terms of the fans being able to provide that support in terms of putting Sergio Ramos off his game and all the rest of it. Um, but I do, in saying that, even though the stadiums are empty, I still think that Liverpool have the ability to turn it out. Real Madrid have never, ever been a team that know how to defend properly. They've always been. They sort of invented that if you score two, we'll score three Brazilian mentality. They, they don't know how to just sit back and defend the game. And I, I think Liverpool can really beat them on the counter-attack. And we've seen this throughout the years. We remember Liverpool beating Real Madrid with Gerrard and stuff like that, beating them 4-1 back in the day and all. Um, so I honestly think we can beat them. But if by some chance we were to go out, we have to fight tooth and nail to get four spot for next season. It, it can't be one or the other. I think we're at the stage of the season where it has to be both. We have to push for all of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the point I made there, Danny, was if you do go out, which, to be fair, my I think well, I think we've got a very good chance to go through. I would almost say we're probably favourites to go through mm. um, against Real Madrid because they're not what they used to be. And say we've just got a bit of an attachment to to uh, this competition. And uh, I mean these these old you know cliches and stuff about being in Istanbul and potentially playing Chelsea in the semis and all. But um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But the, the point is, is that we've got a very realistic chance of getting through against Real Madrid, which you know. Mm. And years gone by. As we, I say this every week, and I feel like I'm repeating myself. And I, I suppose I am, but in years gone by, to get to quarterfinals against Real Madrid, you're just sitting there like, "Oh, we've got a chance. Yes, we've got a chance." So now I'm saying, "Well, we're probably favourites. We've got a realistic chance." And, and this is this is what Jurgen Klopp has done to Liverpool. We, 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 we've always been up there in Liverpool in, with great pedigree in the European Cup, but a lot of it's been way, 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 way back history. Yeah. So we've got recent history to stand us in this competition. And um, yeah, so why, why can't we get through? But my point is, is that for me, I used to love the Europa League and what I'm watching Liverpool on Channel 5. Um, growing up on a uh, growing up on a council state Liverpool, I didn't have Sky or nothing like that. And uh, just to see Liverpool play on a Thursday on Channel 5 was class. I used to love that. Um, but now, as I've got older, and realised and, you know, like, I sit there like thinking, oh well, you know, United fans buzzing against playing AC Milan, what, what's winning the Europa League, you know? But like, I don't, I don't know if people care no more unless you get to the last four or eight of it. It doesn't even matter. Mm. Um, so I pay if it, I have my preference. If you asked me ten years ago, I would have said, nah, you, being in Europe is being in Europe. That's it. It doesn't matter. Now my opinion is, I would rather finish outside the Europa League spots 
and have a season where we're just fighting on a domestic front than have the Europa League as a distraction um, or just being a Champions League because for me the Europa League is a, is a, is a pile of <laughs> nonsense for me I just I don't think it for me I'd just rather have a good goal to league in with the, play, the squad that we've got but I mean if we didn't get Champions League football by winning Champions League or getting in top four like I mean would players leave no, that's the thing isn't it that's that's another thing. we're going to go a bit off the subject with Real Madrid but you see where I'm getting at Danny um, yeah. you go you, you fight tooth and nail and you, you might get to a semi-final and get knocked out and then finish seven. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. It, 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 that's the principle of sport, is try your best no matter what. So I'm not... But you understand what I'm getting at. It's like, you get to the semis and you finish seventh. Like, it's, would you not really maybe get to a final? Knowing that, see, if, if you know you can't win it, here's my argument, here's my point. So we're not winning the Champions League. Do you get to the final, finish, you know, ninth and not, not being in Europa League? Or do you, you know, get to the final knowing you're going to lose it and then finish sixth or seventh and be in Europa League? I mean, what's your opinion, first of all, on the Europa League? And second of all, of if we go past the didn't get to the semis, do you think we've got a realistic chance of winning it? I'm similar to you. Like I, I have, I think we grew up in the generation where Liverpool mainly were Europa League. We had a good stint under Benitez where we were top four consistently. Um, but we had like a lot of my early memories of Liverpool are all Europa League and Thursday night and I lived right by Anfield's ground so one of the things I always remember is because we we are that in-between generation really from your boys who lived in the 80s who remember Liverpool dominating everything to your, your now a sort of Benitez era coming through to now where Liverpool were Champions League consistently and 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 now Liverpool doing amazing um so when I was growing up I always remember there was never as many fans in the stadium for Europa League games. It was never yeah. like completely jam-packed. Um, so about half an hour before the end of the match, the stewards used to open the big gates at Anfield, at the um, at the Anfield Road end, to let all the fans out that were coming out and stuff like that. And every time, Europa League game, you used to be able to, with so many fans coming out, um, mainly the away fans, to get on the coaches and stuff, we used to sneak in past the security guards and watch like the last half an hour in Anfield of all the Europa League games. So I wow. always remember that, just like running in, sweating, making sure security didn't see you and sitting down the first empty seat that you could and just watching that last half an hour of, of Danny Murphy and Gerard and all of these boys playing Europa League. And so I've got great memories of Europa League. I, I love it. Um, in terms of your second question, it's a hard one because I think there's so many more factors to it. Obviously, I would if it's all on guarantees, isn't it? If we could be guaranteed that we'd win the Champions League and come ninth, then then I'd take it. I'd take it all day. But I think there has to be that push for Europa League, even if it was that we finish that we don't win the Champions League, but we finish seventh or eighth. I think that pull of Europe uh, globally is still there. And the money that comes with it as well, the money that comes with getting into the Europa League is still big in terms of us being able to invest in the summer and different things like that. Especially if the rumours are true that we're going to lose one of our front three and all of these rumours about are Liverpool going to try and... Obviously, it came out in the news today um, that the Liverpool owners have said that they've got a substantial pot of money to potentially try and go for someone like Haaland or Mbappe. So if these things are all true, then... We need you. You can't imagine us pulling someone like Haaland or Mbappe with no European football whatsoever. So for me, I'd rather 
go for the Europa League at the risk of losing the Champions League so that we have something next year than pinning our hopes on just winning the Champions League. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Well, as I say, um, it's going to be, again, it's going to be one of those fixtures that you're going to be nervous watching. It's, it's away from home, which might be good, but um, we'll see. And then obviously we'll bring them back to Anfield, which isn't the same place um, that it once was, unfortunately, with no fans. Mm. Um, but the certain traditions, and I'm getting goosebumps saying this, the certain traditions, certain ways, certain things, and I am literally getting goosebumps, I'm about to say this now, certain things that happen as Liverpool fans, when you go to Anfield, the experience is something that, you know, you can't put into words. Um, mm. We had our partners on way back when, and we and we, we talked about living a football fan, um, and I, my, my partner, it's actually a birthday today, so I must say happy birthday, Larissa. Um, but what I w- will say, she's got no interest whatsoever in football. She can't stand it. Fair enough, because she's, she's going out with me. So I, I, I feel for it. <laughs> but I always say to her, I want to bring you to Anfield because going to Liverpool and going to Anfield, especially on a European night, there's nothing like it. Mm. Um, and one of those, one of those, probably one of the biggest things about going to Anfield um, is the atmosphere. All right. So, Years and years and years ago, I haven't got the exact date, um, there was a man that was at the stadium in Anfield and he played a little song by the name of You'll Never Walk Alone. That man was named George Seppin. Anyone and everyone who's associated with Liverpool Football Club, if you're any type of fan, you know that man's voice. He's recently brought out his book, The Voice of Anfield by George Seppin. Um, for people that aren't players, there's not many legends to do with you know Liverpool um, that haven't played for the club. This man is, and it's my absolute honour and privilege to announce that this time next week, me and Danny, I don't know how we've managed it, but we have, are going to be interviewing the voice of Anfield, the one and only George Stephan. So what I will say, guys, before me and Danny discuss this very briefly, um, if you have any questions, um, we will post, do a few posts on social media. Get all over it because the wealth of knowledge and experience and you know things that this man has experienced at Anfield is going to be just unbelievable to digest. And we've had Mello, we've had Howard Gale, and we've had um, Chris Kirkland, and it was fully enjoyable. And you just finished the interviews and you're like, oh, I, I, I want to keep, I want it to go on forever. Mm. But I think this one is going to be absolutely, I mean, phenomenal. I'm so excited. Um, Danny, what about you, mate? I mean, what a what a queue we've done. You know, people say great deal in the transfer business and stuff like this, but I mean, <laughs> to get this man in for now next week, it's just going to be, he is, he, that voice is part of the match day experience for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you've ever been to Anfield, the second he starts talking, you will recognise the voice because you're used to it, hearing the announcements of the teams and all the rest of it. And there's certain moments that stay with you throughout your life and define you and music is one of them we're talking about champions league here and, and the pool playing real madrid the champions league like any fella the second you hear the champions league theme tune it it stirs up something in you it stirs up emotions similar to yourself my wife has no interest whatsoever in football and doesn't recognize any of the tunes and all like that so she finds it baffling when we talk like this um but jordan our wedding um, when me and my wife got married back in 2012, 
she was picking as you do for any years that got married you have to pick music to walk into the church to music to walk out of the church to and i picked a music a, a musical piece called zadok the priest to walk out of the church to my wife was like oh yeah that sounds good nice classical piece if anybody knows that's the official name for the champions league theme tune so we walked out of the church to the champions league theme tune which was amazing um every, oh. every time you hear that tune it just stirs up memories and i love the fact just as a very side note um i love the fact that when we were walking out of the church all the people on my wife's side of the church were going oh that's a really nice piece that and all the people on my side of the church were going that's the champions league theme tune. <laughs> and, like, and that that's what defines it but to be the man that played the tune that defines liverpool fans is just amazing so like i am i'm so excited to have him on next week to be able to hear about his thoughts his feelings what it was like first playing that tune and what he's seen you'll never walk alone develop into within the culture of liverpool it's just going to be massive so yeah if you can get if you can get any questions in bring them into us we'll make sure we ask as many as we can because he is going to have such a wealth of knowledge on liverpool football club yeah it's um as I said to Kufus, and it's absolutely brilliant. And um, you know, guys, everyone that listens to us, we love you. But just me on a personal, and I'm sure Danny feels this. Like I, I'm like a little fanboy, thinking, "Oh my god!" Like I was on the phone to him um, last week, and uh, yeah, hello, George. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, just surreal." Just like just surreal. that voice, hearing that voice, <laughs> and he was he was chatting away to me like he was like like he was my granddad. It was just mental. But yeah, there you go. So, guys. George Sefton next week. Um, we we keep giving to these guys, so um, hopefully he's loving and he's enjoying it. And uh, me and Danny certainly do so. <laughs> if we get two listeners next week, or no one listeners, me and Danny will certainly enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, as I say, this time next week um, we'll be dedicated probably to George and we'll, we'll probably divulge a little bit into the, the analysis of the Arsenal and Real Madrid game, but it'll be all about George Sefton. Um, so yeah, we're very excited for that and um, let's hope that we do come back and we can chat to him after two wins so in the meantime folks, thank you very much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.